Hi, this is Kathy Dixon. We're here with our next episode of Launch Pros, and we're um, joined by Robert Blaney from the Small Business Administration. So welcome, um, Robert. Well, thank you very much, Kathy. It's nice to be able to speak with you. Well, great. Um, so tell, first of all, a little bit about how what your pathway was that you ended up as the director. Or the, what is your actual? You're the, the district director for the Small Business Administration. And tell us a little bit how you end up in this role. Oh, that's a long story. <laughs> um, I was a policeman. Oh, really? And uh, I uh, enjoyed that. And uh, all of a sudden, one day, I went to work for a man by the name of Jack Kemp, who was a member of Congress. And uh, worked for Jack for a number of years, uh, up until the point where he ran for president and lost, and ended up a member of George Bush's, George Herbert Walker Bush's cabinet. And uh, he said to me, what are you going to do? And I said, gee, Jack, I don't know. I'm going to look for a job. So I looked for a job, and I became a public affairs uh, person for the U.S. Small Business Administration for Region 2 of the United States. Region 2 is New York, New Jersey, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands. Whoa. And so I had a lot of fun doing that. And um, I wanted to do something else, and they had a program open up for the district director candidate program. And so I went for it. And I graduated in six months, which is the fastest you can graduate. And I went off, and I was uh, the acting district director in um, Las Vegas at one point in time. I was the deputy in Los Angeles at one time. I was the deputy in Puerto Rico. I worked all over the country, and I got to like this business because it's the business of business. And it's nice to talk about. It's fun to talk about. It's still exciting. Um, when I was a policeman, I was in the insurance business because my family was in the insurance business. So I had to be in the insurance business. And uh, so, you know, it was a varied path up the road, but uh, here I am. I've been with this uh, agency since uh, 1989. Oh, as you it's were a talking, long time. That is a long time. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, I started thinking about this a line from the movie Napoleon Dynamite, mm -hmm. where he's running for office, and mm -hmm. he says, I'll make all of your dreams come true. And as I started thinking about this, I started thinking that you probably do get to see some people's dreams come true. Well, I've seen a lot of dreams come true, and I've seen some nightmares occur. So, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, six to one, half a dozen to the other sometimes. <laughs> but uh, small business is exciting. Small business is uh, a challenge. Uh, you have to work at the small business that you're doing. Um, I, uh, I see, I, I had a conversation with a reporter not too long ago who was talking about franchising and people with franchising businesses and franchising restaurants and that sort of thing. And, you know, you have to be very careful not to create yourself a job, okay? Running a business is a business. You're supposed to run the business, create opportunity for yourself, and create opportunity for other people, hire people, expand, grow, make money, all those types of things. So it's, um, it's hard work. It is. And, you know, I think that's such an important message. You know, and if it's work you love, it, that can be really exciting. But there's a point maybe sometimes when it becomes – not you're not loving it anymore you're not even liking it too much and i always say yeah. you know in a job that i if the majority of the time you still love going it's a good it's a good thing or at least not find it but when you get to the point where it's not fun anymore then you have to take another look well there's an old adage about the fact that if you do something you love you'll have never gone to work yes. you'll always just go to do something that you love to do and i guess that's why i'm doing this because this is fun it's fun to talk to people and that's um, one aspect of this job. It's fun to see people succeed. That's another aspect of this job. And then there's some difficult things about this job. Um, one of the other 
bad expressions we use is sometimes you have to tell somebody their baby's ugly, <laughs> okay? And that means that their business idea, their business plan just is not going to work. And that's very difficult. Sometimes that's the most difficult thing is to talk somebody out of going into business because you can just see down the lane that you know, there's going to be it's too many cans work. in the way. So tell me a little bit, um, people might not know about the Small Business Administration and what you do. So if you could tell us a little bit about what they they uh, do, what you the, do here. The U.S. Small Business Administration was uh, founded in 1953 um, by uh, Dwight David Eisenhower, whose picture is right over your shoulder there. This is the Eisenhower Conference Room here in this office. And um, uh, I was founded in 1953 also, <laughs> but... Uh, um, we're both 64, and um, it's a good agency. Its mission is to aid, assist, and counsel small business, and we do that through a number of programs. But we have financial programs. We guarantee loans made to businesses by banks. Uh, what that does is that uh, helps the bank realize that they can afford to lend to you because we will guarantee a portion of that loan. So if something goes wrong, they will get a portion of their money back. And uh, we also have contracting programs, which are very important. When you think about the government, the government, the United States government, buys everything. You name it, the government buys it. I mean, they buy toilet paper, okay, by the ton, I'm sure. They buy steaks. They buy vegetables because that goes on to ships at sea. We buy everything, and so there's a lot of opportunity for businesses to sell to the government, and we have a contracting program, a number of contracting programs, which will help people do, do exactly that, sell to the federal government. We also have technical assistance programs, which are fabulous for people who are thinking about going into business and thinking about opening a business. We have the small business development centers. In this area, uh, they are in Arizona, let's say, they are, for the most part, out of community colleges, and they are a center where people can go in and speak to a counselor, and it's free, free counseling. And the majority of the counselors in those centers are MBAs uh, with an academic background. Some of them have some teaching background. Uh, most of them have a business background, et cetera, but they enjoy the, uh, the uh, how, how do I describe this more accurately for you? They enjoy working at the management of a business and helping you work at the management of a business more so than themselves managing it. Okay, I guess that goes to the academic portion of all that. Um, we also have the SCORE Association. Uh, the SCORE Association is a group of men and women, I believe it's about 12,000 of them nationwide, who are people who were in business. And, you know, I don't know, maybe they don't have a good golf game, so they want to come in and talk about business, but they help people to go into business. And right out here, we have a couple of counseling rooms where people every day are in there. And we have some who have been coming for years. There's a woman who's working on a medical device who comes in every Friday, and she's there, and she's working with her score counselor, and she's gotten a patent, and she's on her way to doing something with it. I'm not even sure what it is because she doesn't want me to look for <laughs> the most part. You know, with my great engineering skills, I might be able to recreate that, you know. <laughs> so anyway, um, there's, there's that. We have a women's business center here. Um, does great work. Um, not only do they help women, they will help men too, but they help women who are trying to create an opportunity for themselves. They help women who are transitioning from other issues, such as getting out of prison. Okay, or coming from having a drug problem or some other domestic uh, abuse problem, something of that nature. So a great program here. And again, they're free. 
So that's a couple of things that we do that are important. So if, if a person was planning on maybe starting a restaurant or some kind of food-based business, would you say that you'd want them to come as they're planning the process, or what point would they come to the Small Business Administration for assistance? Well, we'd like them to come when they're thinking about it and planning it so we can help them through the Small Business Development Centers or SCORE, get on, or the Women's Business Center even, get on the right path, okay? Um, you need to develop a business plan. Business plans, um, I've seen good business plans on the back of a bar napkin. Okay, I've seen lousy business plans that are 200 pages long with graphs. Okay, it's your idea and how you're going to execute that idea that's important. So they don't necessarily, most of, them, most of the good ones are probably about 20 pages. Okay, um, depending on what you're doing, maybe you have to get down into finite detail or whatever, but for most businesses, the plan, and the plan is a living document, okay, kind of like the Constitution. It can be changed, and it needs to be changed because say you decide that in your first quarter you're selling widgets, okay? Your first quarter you're going to sell 20 widgets, and you sell 25. Well, somehow or another you've gone over your sales, okay? So you then need to adjust your business plan because maybe your business is cyclical. Maybe in the first quarter you sell 20, maybe in the second quarter you only 12, do 15 or 12 or whatever. So you have to adjust your business plan so that you can adjust your cash flow and uh, how you're gonna manage your cash and how you're gonna manage your money, how you're gonna pay for materials um, because widgets just don't end up on the table by themselves. You need to buy other pieces of widgets and put it together to make the widget. So that costs money, that costs time, that costs energy, that maybe costs employees, okay? so. That's where you need to think about how this business plan, how complex this. Um, what do you say is the, the most important things that you've thought through before you start a business? Well, I think that goes back, in my brain it goes back to the business plan. That is, I think that is, that is your document. That's how you start. Um, you know, it's planning. Planning is very important and execution is very important but you must plan and then go execute you have to it's a process and you know no matter how well you plan you're not going to get everything because something's going to jump out and bite you it always happens um, if you and i decide we're going to get in the car and we're going to drive from here to tulsa okay we could probably do it okay because i know enough about geography that I can get on I-17 and get to I-40, okay? But can I follow I-40 all the way to Tulsa? No. There's a little thing you have to turn off. I think it's 44 out of uh, Oklahoma City, okay? Wouldn't it have been better if we had a map? Mm -hmm. Okay, so get yourself a map. Make yourself a business plan. That's the map, okay? Now, there may be a little construction along the road that you don't know about, there may even be a speed trap that you don't know about, okay? But that's the glitches of a business plan. That's the glitches of a road trip. That's the glitches of anything we do in life. But having that plan makes things much more foreseeable and planable and achievable and all those abuls. So <laughs> you just, you, it, it's just going to help you go down the road the right direction. Kind of, kind of simple, not, not brain surgery. No, and, you know, you, as you look through... Uh, the documentation that's available on the website for how to write a business plan. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's very, you know, it can sound like, oh, this is overwhelming if you look at the whole thing. But then if you start walking through, you're like, okay, you know, I can, I can sit here and write that down. That this is easy for me to figure out that who am I, who's my customers going to be? And Kathy, there are people who will uh, offer, of course, for money. They want you to pay, but they will offer to write your business plan for you. That's not your business plan. That's something else, and more than likely, it's stock something else because they removed the word uh, shoe store and added the word restaurant, okay? Um, and you know, pretty much the business portion up until you're buying food instead of uh, U.S. KEDS, uh, it kind of stays the same. So I wouldn't do that. I think it's most important if, if, you, if you want to do this, if this is your passion is to open up a business, take the time to create the business plan yourself so you know what you're getting into, you know what road you're going down, you know that you may run into some t- trouble, something, some issue, whatever, but you'll be able to get around it or achieve or be successful because you've been planning it. it I mean, it's, it's really, there's a, there's a fellow I know in the, in the national retail business, a man by the name of Jim Dion, very well-renowned in retail, and he always says, retail, you know, it's not brain surgery, it's harder. Well, sometimes it is harder, okay? But it really isn't brain surgery, it's just planning. And um, you can plan for your success. And again, these free opportunities we have with the Small Business Development Centers and SCORE and the Women's Business Center, they will help you write the business plan. And you'll do it for free. Yeah, and that's what a great resource that is. And um, so... Can you think of, you know, I think sometimes people think that these businesses that are big and really successful, that they started out somehow magically. You know, they, they started out big. Uh, can you think of a, a restaurant that you know of that started out small, started out as maybe a, a mom-and-pop shop or just some kind of a small business and has grown into one of these large? Well, the, the most, the, 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 the elephant in the room, obviously, is McDonald's. Okay, I mean, that started out, uh, Ray Kroc brought out, what, two brothers or whatever over in California, had one outlet, and his whole deal was uh, mass production and fast production of food, uh, you know, and, and then that took off. But I've seen, I mean, there's a couple pizza parlors around this area. Um, there's a couple back where I come from in Buffalo that started out as one person, and then all of a sudden they have four or five. Uh, back in Buffalo, it was because they had a mess of kids. I don't know what it is out here. Maybe it's something in the water, but... Um, they 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 couldn't you know they couldn't um, uh, they they couldn't uh, support multiple families on this one location, and so they uh, instead of uh, you're going to be here at the corner walk and don't walk, uh, your sister's going to be over here at the corner of uh, Smith and Southern, and that's it. And you know so that's her area, and this is your area, and uh, I mean your other brother's going to be over here. That was how they were expanded. Other than that, I've seen people just because they have the vision to, I'm going to open up a second location. The person I have who's been working with me here, I'm going to have that person go over there, and she's going to be the new manager, okay? And I'm going to watch both, and I'm going to hire somebody else or promote from within or whatever. And so you see expansion that way, and that's common in any type of business. Um, There are lots of businesses that grow that way. Absolutely. You know, that's how many, you know, most most businesses did not start out as a huge, huge company, obviously, who no. has that kind of capital to do. And it's also not, I think one of the things we see is that businesses that expand too quickly, 
that they have one location and it seems to be doing good, so they decide to open another one, then another one, well, and they're not really equipped for I it mean, yet. Uh, especially, you know, we're basically uh, talking about the restaurant business, okay? Um, you know, it's kind of like, it uh, goes back to one of the adages of the real estate business, location, location, location. If you don't have the right location, um, you're, you're kind of sunk. But um, people can expand too quickly. Um, people don't necessarily have the cash flow. And there are examples of um, business problems where people take too much cash out of their business. And so they're not reinvesting into the business. And people end up in financial trouble that way. So that's, you know, that's important. I mean, you, know, you shouldn't steal from yourself, okay? And so, you know, be bright enough not to do that. And I think that sometimes people think, well, they can start drawing a salary on day one. And, um, mm. and so that often is not advisable or even impossible in terms of mm. most small businesses. No, my, uh, my wife had a, um, she was in the retail uh, women's uh, golf clothing business had uh, I don't know 18 19 outlets back in upstate New York and Pennsylvania northern Pennsylvania and you know she rarely took a salary um, she didn't probably need to but she rarely took it because she kept reinvesting into this business and growing this business and expanding this business and finally she sold the business when we moved out here when she decided to move out here and um, uh, you know at that point she got her return but it was a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know, she was fortunate enough that she didn't need to do well, that. Well, it was, it was the bank of Blaney. I was the bank. <laughs> and, and, I mean, she didn't, but and she had, she worked another, another, another job. And, and so um, it, was, it was something that she enjoyed doing. It was something that she liked. And so she enjoyed having to do it, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I remember standing, steaming women's clothes. But <laughs> you know? um, one of the things, I guess, is the, that I've heard conflicting information and different viewpoints on is I've heard some people who recommend that you start your small business but you keep your day job and other people who think that you shouldn't go into debt to start a small business other people who believe that there's a, you have to just weigh the risk where would you land on that um, I could land on any of them um, my wife kept her J job okay um, she uh, kept her day job and, and worked and um, the business became a 4 to 12 business uh, and she would um, visit and move uh, merchandise and uh, rotate stuff and do inventory and all that um, on Saturdays and Sundays when she wasn't at her regular job. I've seen other people who um, I have a, a fellow that I, I speak with um, um, a lot um, I don't really have clients, but he's a quasi-client. He comes to score. He comes to the SPDC. I see him at things. Uh, I knew him when he worked at Macy's. He was, I don't know what they call him nowadays, the concierge sales guy at Macy's. He had a little office, and if you called him up, he would go up and get the frying pan for you and bring Aww. it down, and you like could walk in. a personal shopper. Thank you. There you go. Personal shopper. See? So that was it. But he is determined what he wants to do is he wants to export because he's from um, Tishmenistan, one of, the, one of the stands over, you know, and he wants to export. And he knows, and this is a, an interesting statistic for you, 95% of all consumers 
do not live in the United States. So 95% of all consumers live somewhere else. So that's certainly an argument for exporting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, because if you want this widget, okay, it's made here in the United States, they may want that widget. And so that's what he's going to do is he's going to export. Now he has the benefit of being able to speak the language there. He has the benefit of a brother and that can help him, et cetera. But that's what he's doing. He left his job and he's building this business exporting. I mean, it's a tough way to go because he doesn't have the extra income, but he does have a wife who works. So I don't think he's going to miss a meal while he builds this business, but that's he's building the business. He has a business plan. Um, he, uh, I, I don't, I, 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 I always see him at every export event that I attend, and I attend a lot of those. He's always at those things. He's always networking with other people who export so that he can develop his business and export. It's important. That's another aspect of things is I just use the word networking, okay? Sometimes I like that word, sometimes I don't. There was just an article in the paper the other day about words that people like and don't like, etc. cetera. Um, but it is important to know other people in business because you can learn from other people in business and you might uh, make an opportunity to create a sale or something for your business. If you're in the restaurant business, you might create an opportunity to cater something, okay? There's always, there's always reasons to know people in the community. I think that's, you know, I think that sometimes it can seem almost like the, the reason people are getting to know you is because of what opportunities you might lead to. to. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, why some people are, are bothered by it. Yeah. But what I've learned is, is, as I've been trying to do these interviews, you know, just talking to everybody I meet, it's amazing. I met some really nice young men who I'm going to be interviewing later this week just because they were in the coffee shop and I started, I start a conversation with them and it turns out they are going to be a great source for us okay. and I think so I think that you know if you're genuinely interested in people mm-hmm. that networking is a, a great thing but I think sometimes you know if it, it looks too much like I'm just looking out for myself well, and I think that okay. it needs to yeah. be a balance I think of <laughs> I'm looking well, out for <clears throat> all, the, all things in life need to be a balance absolutely so, yeah, yeah. yes but and, you know that's you know did you ask the men in that coffee shop why they were in that particular coffee shop no, I didn't, and I always kind of okay. curious because it was a long ways out from where their office is. Okay, I mean, what is it about that coffee shop that attracted them? Yeah, I mean, that, that attracts them. Um, my wife and I came out of the grocery store yesterday, and we went by. There's a uh, coffee place up the street up here, and um, uh, she said to me, "My gosh, that place is busy." 24-7-365, and I don't know if they're open at night, but I mean, every time we were by there, it's busy. And then you get down, and there's an, you know, another brand, coffee shop, who's busy also. So what draws them to that particular brand? What is it? What's, you know, what's the product? Is, is it the taste, whatever? I mean, you know, I don't know. You, you know, know what draws me? Good Wi-Fi. Okay. Good Wi-Fi is really important to me. Okay. Easy to access Wi-Fi, because most of the time I do half my work in, in coffee shops, but... Um, I think clientele can make a difference, but there's tons of things. And I think that's one of the most important things we look for is, is you know, what kind of environment are we going to have our business? What, how's, what's it going to feel like? You know, especially restaurants. You know, you, there's people who have just real strong preferences when it comes to where they like to eat, where they like to go, what yeah. kind of environment, what kind of food do they want. And so there's lots to think about mm. when you're making that business yeah. plan. How attentive the help is. Exactly. You yeah. know, how fast are, are they on yeah. their cell phones when you walk in and do they ignore that you've walked in? Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, that yeah. happens to me. I'm out the door. And so 
um, one of the things I always encourage people is that the manager needs to be there a lot. The owner needs to be there a lot. Um, and then they need to, to train good staff. Yeah, I can, um, I can talk about that. The owner needs to be there, and you need to have good staff. And if you can't be there, you need to have people that you trust. Um, I have a cousin, okay, Cousin Polly. Cousin Polly owns a bar. Cousin Polly hires his brother to be his bartender when Cousin Polly's not there because usually he's the bartender. So I go in and I see Cousin Stevo, and Cousin Stevo says, what would you like? And I'll say, well, I'll have a pint of stout or something. So he puts a pint up. And when I go to pay, he says, oh, no, no, that's, that's on me. Okay, well, no, it's not on you, Stevo. It's actually on Polly. Okay, so what you're doing is you're stealing from your brother. But since you're giving it to your cousin, you don't feel like it's stealing because it's your cousin. Okay, so that's a stupid scenario, but that's what happens. Oh, absolutely. It does happen. In, and in the food business. It's, it's notorious in the food yeah. business, in the, in, the, in the bar business, okay? Any of that, it, it, that is what, um, if, they're, if they're not stealing from you, okay, they're giving it away to other people they consider their friends, okay? It's just another form of theft, but it occurs. And that's another, I mean, you get into retail and general retail, shrinkage, okay, that's how we talk about shoplifting. I just had the opportunity to meet with a woman who sold $3.5 million in her shop last year. And her shrinkage was 2100 bucks. okay? So she's in the golf business, mm -hmm. and what she thinks the majority of it is, is people stealing golf balls out of the big basket of golf balls they have, okay, which has the name of the facility on it, and those are pretty difficult because somebody can just grab one and put it in their pocket. And they sell for, I don't know, a buck and a half, and she pays a buck a piece for them because they've got a logo on them, and they're a decent golf ball. So that's her shrinkage, but that's pretty amazing, and that's how well they watch, and they have everything in that shop has a one of these electronic thingies on it, so if you get near the door, it goes ding, 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 buzz, buzz, buzz. So, I mean, but that's another aspect of business. Should that be in your business plan? Yes. Mm -hmm. How are you going to prevent this? How are you yeah. going to prevent your, your employees from stealing from you yeah. as well? Yeah. Um, in our textbook, it talks a little bit about what percentage of people will steal if given the opportunity. And the number is not a good number. And I think that, you know, I think sometimes it doesn't feel like stealing when you're given your, it's food. Because, well, it's just food. Well, well, it's food and it's your friend. And, and it's, yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's the, at the end of the day in a restaurant, you throw stuff out. Or you hopefully give it to a homeless shelter or something like that. Or you sell it as edible garbage or, or whatever. But, I mean, but still you're, um, you know, I was, I was at, a, at a restaurant this weekend and uh, we were walking out. And I, I was looking at the fact that they had all this food left over. And I'm thinking, I wonder what they do with this when they shut brunch down. Because I don't believe they can save it till tomorrow. I think once it's out, it's out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so what do they do with it? I hope they take it to a, a homeless shelter. Uh, I don't know. But there, there are more systems in place now to do that. But yeah. traditionally, that food was just thrown out. And, and that's one of the things that when one of the facilities I worked at, we had a policy that the leftovers from, from our line could be eaten by the employees. Yeah. The problem with that, and it sounds like a good idea, well, that doesn't go to waste. But the person who is cooking knows that the leftovers can be eaten. 
And so they have no incentive to try to keep it to only producing what they need. So okay. we would always end up with extra 10, 12 extra chicken breasts at the end of service. Mm -hmm. And then everyone got a chicken breast. Mm -hmm. Once we changed the rule, suddenly we weren't having those kinds of leftovers and our food costs decreased. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to think about, yeah. are you incentivizing them to produce more than they need if they get to eat it? And um, I, my, one of my first jobs was at McDonald's. I think that's a great first job for people. I think you really learn how to work. No one lets you sit, at least where I work, they didn't. And um, we knew that we had, we produced extra Sundays right before close because we're gonna shut down the Sunday machine before we close the regular, because the Sunday machines take a while to clean. Mm -hmm. And so we would produce, and we always knew, produce you're, you're a gonna, few extra. You're, you're gonna sell four and, you're, and so we're you gonna produce, produce six. We're gonna produce 12, yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's enough for everyone to have everybody one on the way out the door. On the way out the, well, uh, that's, you know, I've only eaten in one um, employee mess of that nature in my life. Um, it was at a country club. I was there um, helping somebody because they had a rather large national tournament going on. And so they took me down to the employee mess to eat. Okay. And it wasn't what they were feeding anybody else. It was cooked for the employees and it was basically hot dogs or, or you know, or chili dogs or what I mean. It was, it was junk. And so they didn't produce anything for the employees, but if you wanted to eat, that food was available for you. Mm -hmm. And so I would think that, uh, you know, it's inventory control. It costs money. Uh, food costs money. Um, yeah, I would say that, you know, and um, that's, you know, 50% uh, of um, um, working Americans, 50% of working Americans have worked in a restaurant. And, you know, that's an interesting statistic when you think about it because, you know, not all of them go into um, the restaurant business accounts for about 10% of the uh, uh, economy. And um, there's thousands and thousands of restaurants. And when you think about the variety of restaurants, um, right where our, my office is here, on the ground floor there's a coffee shop. Next door there's um, smoked meats. Uh, after him, there's a Philly cheesesteak guy. Across the street is a sandwich, up-end sandwich shop. Uh, You've got a barbecue place right down there, yeah, too. Well, well, yeah, right, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, right. That's uh, across the street, Panera, and then a Thai food, and then a, um, uh, uh, a Subway, okay, um, a pizza par or Domino's, okay. Down at the end of the, end of the building, Chinese food, okay. So all these restaurants... And if you go behind, there's a, another pizza parlor, and then there's another pizza parlor, and then there's a sandwich place down at third. And if you go across, there's the myriad of whatever exists over in the Park Central. There's restaurants, there's a pizza place, there's a nightclub. I mean, it's all, there's breakfast, there's a um, pita bistro now. Um, I mean, all these within this little, you know, three square blocks, you know, all these restaurants. They all seem to be making a living, all different kinds of food. Is it location, location, location? I don't know. It's the corner of Central and North Central and Thomas. I'm not sure it's, you know. Uh, the lady that we had discussed um, out at uh, going into so Sky Song, well, she went in there. That may be the, the, the goose that laid the golden egg because there's no, no, not a lot of competition around there for her. And she's got all those people working there, and so they may, they may come in there and, and, and boost. I don't know how many of them are going to be there at 9 o'clock at night, though. 
you know, and that's one of the things that you one of the things you have to look at when you look at your operation hours. Yeah. And one of the people who we talked to about um, franchising, who was a, he owned a, a Subway franchise, and he said the problem is is that when you work for a franchise company like Subway or many others, is they determine what your hours are going to be. Yeah, you have to be open. He, mm. the people across the street are open there every day, and they give, I believe, a Subway franchise. I think the franchise fee is fifteen thousand bucks up front. I believe you have to have a hundred and like about a hundred in cash to go and do this, and you give them eight percent of what you make for the royalty, and then you give them like four point five percent of what you make for advertising. Okay, and I, you know, I think this poor guy every time I walk in with a coupon that gives me the six dollar sandwich, you know, he's about ready to jump off the roof except it's only one story i mean you know but they send those out and they say they're good at any participating subway which is all of them um so i go in and i get another five dollar sandwich from him and you know it costs him 50 cents to give me the uh, you know it costs him 50 cents to give me the sandwich i mean it, it's those things are tough yeah and and so he, you know because he wasn't able to and he, like i said they also require him to remodel and in some in some of his his stores, that was a, a good idea, and it was yeah. valuable. But in some that was barely breaking even as it was, that was a huge expense that they didn't really think was necessary. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I, mean, I think franchises have some wonderful things they, they bring to the table, but they're also you need to be very careful about the choices that you make. Well, you do in the location and the hours and all the other things that go into having consistency in a product. And that's what basically a franchise is, is consistency in a product. If you walk into the McDonald's that you worked at when you first started out and you had a Big Mac, okay, and then you flew across the country to New York City and walked in and had a Big Mac, how much would it taste the same? Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. And if not, then somebody's not the, doing their job, right? right? Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. If not, because <laughs> it's supposed to. It's supposed to. Okay. Yeah. Now, the only place you'll get a variant on that is in Europe. Okay. If you walk into a McDonald's in Zurich, they will have chicken wings. Okay. Our McDonald's don't usually sell chicken wings. I'm talking with the bone, not yes. with not the little chicken pieces, whatever, the reconstituted, whatever those are. But, okay. So there are oddities in franchises, but not so much, especially in this country where everything is pretty much, okay? All set. Yeah, okay. The Taco Bell that I get, the bean burrito that I get down here at the corner of, I don't know, what is 7th and, um, or I guess it's 3rd, 3rd and uh, McDowell, okay, tastes no different to me than the one I get in Kingman, okay, right across the street from the hospital. doesn't taste it. Uh, a bit of difference. It's the same thing. That's what it's supposed to taste like. Yes, okay. and I think you know, and so for many consumers, that's what one of the things that attracts them. But I think that we have these new millennials that are coming up, and the next generation after that, mm -hmm. who are looking for different. They they want a little variety. Now they're still going to go those places, but yeah. they're looking. You, and you see a, the, a niche market there that is out yeah. there that that potentially could be something that that could grow. Um, so kind of wanting to wrap up a little bit, and I appreciate all your time. Um, just what would you say is, you, you talked about business plan and the, the making a plan as being the key to, mm. to being successful. What kind of pitfall beyond the not having a, bit, a business plan have you seen people make 
what kind of things have they, mistakes they've made? Well, I've seen a couple which are um, sad but can happen. I saw a fellow that I know, nice business, going business, etc. Everything was fine, and all of a sudden, one day, he was having cash flow problems. Why was he having cash flow problems, you will ask? Dare, dare, okay? The reason was somebody was embezzling from him, okay? He had an accountant who had everything under control, except the money was going out the door backwards faster than it was coming in the front door the other way. So he was getting embezzled. And, I mean, bright guy, bad business decision because he did not pay attention. Almost as bad as Cousin Polly not paying attention to Cousin Steve giving away drinks, okay? Only this was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, okay? That guy fought and, and, and brought his business back. He's still in business, okay? Um, the accountant, I don't think he put him in jail. I don't think he did it because I don't think he wanted that kind of publicity. And that's not uncommon in embezzlement cases. So that was one. Um, basically, he didn't pay attention to a very important part of his business, and that was his cash flow and his money. He let somebody else do it, and that somebody else took him for a ride. Um, saw another one. Needed money. Didn't know where to borrow money. Couldn't get it from a bank any longer. Went to one of these payday lender deals. Okay? I can't remember. I figured it out, Kathy, at the time. I don't know. It was 475% oh, interest. Oh, my I goodness. I mean, you know, let go of my arm. Um, but uh, now that one, she wasn't successful. She went down. Okay? But I bet she still owed them. Yes. Okay? And they, they will still get their yeah. money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so financially, and I think that that is probably sometimes people who are, are more creative by nature. Sometimes this is not where their strength is. So, um, but you have to just do it anyways. You know, this is what someone said was telling me about. They're telling me their story of how they were robbed by this partner, and yeah. that, that they were signing the tax agreements without yeah. really understanding what was in them. Oh, and, okay. How dumb are you? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. You will end up in prison. Yeah. You do yeah. not sign any documents without being able yeah. to understand them, and if you do not, then you hire a person who is unbiased and is not having access to read that information. That's why, that's why they have certified public accounts. Exactly. Okay? Somebody can explain and, it to you. And let me give you one other closing thought. Okay. okay? Um, if you are going into business with someone, okay, you make sure you have an agreement to get out of business with that someone, okay? It is not easy sometimes. Um, sometimes it's worse than divorce, okay? Um, I had a good friend went into business with his good friend. They created painting systems for automobiles. They started it in their, his, his garage in Detroit, okay? Sold these to the big three, okay? Made money, made a lot of money. And all of a sudden, one day, his friend walks in and says, Kathy, you know, you're doing great with this business. This business is doing great. We're doing great. But I'm going to come in on Fridays and help you sign the checks. And other than that, I'm not going to participate any longer. I'm just going to continue to take my money. And my friend thought, whoa, what do I do here? Well, finally, he bought the other guy out for significant money. And he had to work about another eight years to get to the point where he could 
then comfortably retire because he was busy paying this other guy off. They had no agreement to get out. They had an agreement going in. Coming out, they were toast. At least he was. And what if one of them must have died? Well, that's another thing, and that gets back into another issue called key personal life insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, we could... We, we, we could go all day. Yeah, we can do, we can we do could that go all, one day all day. With all the things you need to think about. And this all goes back to one thing, which is have this plan. If what what is the structure going to be like how has everything been figured out and and so there aren't surprises i mean you can't stop all surprises no, as you, you said no. there's going to be surprises but they're going to decide have a general idea what direction you're supposed to be going mm-hmm. in and what workload if you're going to have a partnership what what they're going to do what no. you're going to do everything clearly defined have, and have an agreement to get in and to get out yeah well thank you so much for your time i sure appreciate it i think that our our listeners will appreciate hearing this and then also knowing that they can come to get assistance from the Small Business Administration if they do need it, or if they, and not just not if they just think they need it, they need it. Well, just go to www.sba.gov forward slash Arizona, all and right. you can read all about us. All right, thanks so much. Thank you.